When I began my study of power 20 years ago, power was often equated with coercion, might, and dominance. The rise and fall of nations was explained in terms of military innovation, conquest, and overreach in the effects of martial activities upon a country's economic strength. Class relations were described in terms of the oppressor and the oppressed, and in terms of how economic domination determines the contents of consciousness. Gender relations were seen through the lens of subjugation. This view of power as coercion finds its clearest expression in Niccolò Machiavelli's The Prince, which is read by hundreds of thousands of students in history courses every year and is taught in schools of government, business, and public policy around the world. Machiavelli wrote during a time of extreme violence. Murder was about 100 times more common than it is today. Rape was acceptable. Torture was a public spectacle, often accompanied by song and poetry. Abuses of power could largely go unchecked. Few people could read. There was no journalism to hold the powerful accountable. There was no organized militia to institutionalize martial force. And there was little notion of universal individual rights. The prince offers a philosophy of power suitable to such violent times, treating power in its purest form as force and fraud. We gain and keep such power by committing coercive and unpredictable acts that are impetuous, fierce, and violent. We hold on to such power by appearing virtuous, even though we harbor other intentions. This kind of power quiets or kills rivals and critics inspires allegiances, and mutes the masses. Through coercive force and fraud, we dominate. But counterexamples to this conception of power readily come to mind. Many of the most significant changes in our history, the adoption of women's suffrage, civil rights legislation, the free speech movement and its influence upon the protests against the Vietnam War, the overthrow of apartheid, the rise of gay rights, were brought about by people who lacked economic, political, and military might. They changed the world without coercive force. One recent study examined 323 opposition movements from 1900 to 2006 in places ranging from East Timor to countries of the former Soviet bloc. Some of these movements used the tactics of coercive force, bombs, assassinations, beheadings, torture, and civilian killings. Others relied on nonviolent tactics, marches, vigils, petitions, and boycotts. The latter were twice as likely, 53% versus 26%, to lead to achieving gains in political power, winning broad support from citizens, and contributing to the fall of oppressive regimes. People resort to coercive force when their power is actually slipping. In our professional lives, people who endorse Machiavellian strategies to social life, lying, manipulating, and stepping on others to rise in the ranks, actually report experiencing less power and influence than the average person. In our personal lives, romantic partners are more likely to treat their beloved in coercive ways, through bullying, physical abuse, and emotional threats, when they are feeling less powerful. 
Parents are vulnerable to abusing their children when they feel relatively powerless vis-à-vis a willful child. In schools, bullies are continually engaging in domineering and deceptive actions, but they typically rank near the bottom of their class in status, respect, and influence in their peers' eyes. Today, coercive force is a more likely path to powerlessness than to gains in power. The Machiavellian lens blinds us to the pervasiveness of power in our daily lives. When we equate power to the ruthless violence of notorious dictators, Hitler, Stalin, Saddam Hussein, Pol Pot, we will fail to appreciate how power shapes our own interactions with our friends, parents, romantic partners, children, and work colleagues. When we think of power in terms of extraordinary acts of domination, tanks rolling through villages, guards treating naked prisoners like dogs at Abu Ghraib, we will fail to understand how power shapes more ordinary acts of creativity, reasoning, ethical judgment, affection, and emotion. Conceptualizing power as coercion impedes our attempt to grapple with the power paradox because it distorts our very understanding of what power is.